We are working through our way, our way through Ephesians right now. We are in a series called In His Light, Evidences of God's Grace. Evidences of God's Grace. You know, Paul was trying to capture what in the world is God doing? And why is it so awesome? That's what he's trying to capture as he's penning Ephesians 1 through 3. This morning we're going to be hitting uh, the first part of Ephesians chapter 3, and uh, we'll get, to get into it in just a second, but it's a classic Pauline moment as he starts a thought, and then he jumps to a whole other thought and spends a little bit of time there. So uh, what he's going to be touching on is going to help us answer some questions, okay? About 12 years ago, my wife was pregnant with our oldest now, Megan, and uh, Jana's pregnancies didn't go real well. We always had a lot of complications. And uh, it was about six weeks before Megan was due. And uh, we were in the hospital. And the doctor basically had diagnosed that Jana's liver and kidney were shutting down. And uh, it was getting very dangerous. And that we were going to have to do some things. And so we, he said, basically, we're going to induce, we're going to bring Megan early. Uh, so we're like, okay, fine. You know, and I've done my reading, you know, so like I know that the lungs need a little bit more time than that. So I said, well, can we wait a little while? Because I know it's better for the lungs. And he said, oh, yeah, we can wait a little while. And I said, well, that's great. You know, and I'm thinking in my head, then what are we going now for, you know? And so I said, well, I mean, I'm just thinking two weeks might be really good for the lungs. Am I wrong on that? Or, you know, and I'm expecting him to go, yeah, that's right. You know, and he says, two weeks. No, you don't understand what I'm saying. When I say we can wait a little time, I'm saying like 12 hours, maybe 24. We wait two days, your wife is gone. She's going to die. Do you understand? At which point, John and I are both like, and whatever you want to do, you know? <laughs> so like, we're good. Stop talking to us. Why are you asking our input? Let's move on, you know? Doesn't it change things when you actually have the whole picture, right? You're sitting there thinking you know what's going on, and it kind of upsets you and frustrates you because you really aren't grasping what they're doing. And then you get the whole picture and that little aha moment happens and you say, your turn, you go, I'm giving it up, whatever you want. Paul's basically describing to us in Ephesians 1 through 3, the aha moment. And in Ephesians chapter 3 here, right at the beginning, he's saying, look, these are some things you're going to need to get. Otherwise, you're going to walk through life a little frustrated. You're going to be saying, why? Why not this? Why not that? These are some things you need to know. I want to make sure you grasp this. That's where Paul's starting with us. Ephesians 3, verses 1 through 13. The uh, ushers are going to be coming forward. They've got some Bibles in their hands, and we're just going to be walking verse by verse through this. So if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to get one in your hands. Just raise your hand. We'll get it to you, okay? Ephesians 3, 1 through 13. Let me start by reading. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to you for me, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. Notice, by the way, the little uh, trip we're going on now, okay? So he starts out in verse 1. These are things I want you to know. Up, oh, verse 2. Assuming, okay? So assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men, in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister 
according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to all the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan, the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Ephesians 3, 1 through 13. Paul is trying to say, look, there's three things I really want you to know here. And I want you to know these because without them, you're headed down the wrong path. You're processing wrongly. Your expectations aren't set. This is what the trip's going to look like. So let's get it in plan. First, understand the mystery revealed. Understand the mystery revealed. Remember last week, Paul kind of went into at the end of Ephesians 2, what this mystery is, this unity thing between Gentile and Jew. And now he's saying, I need you to understand a little bit more of this. He starts out right in the beginning there. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. A prisoner. So let's get the plan first here, guys. I'm in jail, okay? Remember where I'm at when I'm writing this. I'm in prison. Why? Because I have allegedly broken the law of bringing Gentile near Jew in the temple. That's why. Remember last week when we were talking through that? So we have Paul accused, Paul thrown in jail, and he's saying, just recall, prisoner right now, thank you, writing to you. And then where he was going to continue on, he stops. So some of your Bibles have a hyphen, some have a colon, some have other various forms of punctuation. As the translators bringing it into the English are trying to track with Paul as he begins to trail for a moment. And he says, hang on, there's some important things I better make sure you know. And he starts out now, verse 2. He says, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. The stewardship. Okay, this word, it basically means house servant. It basically means somebody who's been given, although it's servant status in the home, extreme responsibility to carry things out. That's what I am for God. You know, I've basically been put in this position of high check, high responsibility, and yet I have a master. That's where I'm at. I am a steward. I am a steward responsible for some things. And he says, you know what? I didn't warrant that. I didn't merit that. It was God's grace giving it to me. Isn't that the beauty of God? In the midst of us not being earning our position with him and our relationship with him, he pours out nonetheless. And Paul's saying, steward, not earned, just given. Thanks be to God and his grace. It was given to me for you. He says in verse 3, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation. You know, remember that story where I was knocked on my back? I was blinded. It took me days and weeks to figure out which way was up, but I started realizing, you know what? That God I've been persecuting, that little G God that I thought was a joke, you know, the people I was killing because I thought it was wrong, I was wrong. I was the one mistaken. And God started making clear to me more than just that. It was, you know what? This whole thing isn't just about the Jew. This is about the Jew and the Gentile. All of us coming together. Praise be to God. The mystery was revealed to me. 
God himself making clear to me the message he wanted shared. He says right at the end of verse 3, as I have written briefly. Now remember, we went through just last week in chapter 2, verses 11 to 22, and actually specifically in verses 14 to 16, he is sharing exactly what's going on. This mystery revealed that the Gentile and the Jew can be united in one through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That it's no longer about law and bloodline. It's about adoption. It's about love. It's about sacrifice. It's about what Jesus Christ does for you and for me. Remember that? That's what he's basically saying. Remember what we just went through? Now he's also going back into chapter 1, really, verses 9 and 10. He said, you know why I'm writing this whole thing? I'm writing this whole thing so that Jesus Christ can make clear that he is trying to unify all things in himself. Unity of all things in Christ. Through his shed blood. That includes, by the way, you and me. That's the message he's talking about. The mystery I revealed when I wrote briefly just before to you, you know, like in the last four seconds. Can you imagine? I mean, he's orally speaking this thing and it's being recorded down and he just gets done with the dissertation and then he starts forward and he says, so I, Paul, a prisoner, hang on, assuming that you understand, right? And now he's off. You've got to understand what I'm talking about. If you don't get this mystery, forget the rest. There is no valuable challenge. If you don't get this, I want you to understand the deep mystery revealed. Grasp it. Verse 4, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. So he's basically saying, look, you've heard it from me before, some of you have, but now you can even read it. Now you can check it out and look at the details and study over it. What's the value of God's word in our hand? That we may understand the mystery of God's work in our lives. As he works in your life daily, whispering to you from the inside, the Holy Spirit taking up residence in you, saying, it's time for us to adjust this area. It's time for this room of the heart to be cleaned up. It's time for us to go after this area. It's time for us to look more like Christ here now. The mystery of God working in us, we, his temple, what a privilege as God works to change us from the inside out. What a privilege. We've got to grasp that mystery first. And once we get that, then we can move forward. He says, you know, you can perceive this from what's written. Verse 5, which was not made known to the sons of men in the generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the spirits. In other words, yes, this might be the first time you're hearing it. Yes, I understand that this sounds like it's contradicting some things, but it's not. It's fulfilling some things. You see, there were the sons of disobedience, the ones from before, and they thought they understood it, but they didn't get the whole of it. And now God is making known the whole of it. And you should see what he's doing. You should see how he's changed me. You should see how he's changing the Gentiles that I'm talking to. Yes, I just said that. How he's changing the Gentiles that I'm talking to. God Almighty at work in mankind. That is the mystery revealed. Amen? That's where we need to go after being excited. We have a God who reaches down into our lives to care for us, to, to touch us in ways that we cannot imagine. We need him, and he's there for us. Not just through the bloodline of the Jew, but to all who will come to him. God Almighty, love available, the mystery revealed. How in the world is Abraham 
going to have all these nations blessed through him. How in the world is God going to rally Gentile with Jew at some point? We see it in the Old Testament. We don't get it. So the assumption was, I guess they're just going to become a lot of Jews. And Paul gets to say, no, we all are going to do some changing. The Jew in their faith towards him and the Gentile in their faith towards him. The mystery revealed Jesus Christ himself. You know, he goes on here at the end of verse 5. He's talking about the holy apostles and prophets. What he's basically saying is, look, we have leaned on men of God to give us a word. And the men of God are giving us the word. It's time to heed it and respond. Praise be to God. He's at work in our lives. Verse 6. The mystery is. So for those of you who have missed the boat in the last two chapters. The mystery is. You know that big equal sign in math. Right? Okay. Here's the, here it is. Here it comes. First. Fellow heirs. Second. Members of the same body. And third. Partakers of the promise. Now. In the original Greek, Paul actually uses this kind of uh, little word piece and he abuts it to the front end. And he's making, it's a single word, co-heir. So he takes the word heir and he butts the thing up to the front of it saying co-heir. In the English, we're saying fellow heirs. But he's saying, you know, we're heirs together. In other words, we all are children of his and we all are receiving the same promise and the same giving from God himself. Eternal life with him relationship with him now the power to change today god at work in me we are co-heirs we are co-members of the same body not two different bodies one body unified together we are co-members and we are co-partakers of the promise you know that promise that we don't have to be the way we've been that the change is coming the power at work in me the same power that raised jesus christ from the dead working in you to change you day by day. Shame on us if we keep trying to muscle it because his power is there for us as we relate to him. We are co-heirs. We are co-members. We are co-partakers. What's the mystery? That's it. We together coming to God Almighty as he changes us. God speaking into existence all that is and then as we go our own way, we run amok. We're doing our own thing. He reaches down into our lives. He becomes man himself. And he is abused and mistreated. He is beaten, mocked, and murdered by that mankind. Can you imagine the view of the angels as they watch? And they see God basically belittling himself and being abused, beaten, and murdered. And he raises from the dead and he comes back with all authority and all power so that mankind can be brought back to him. True reconciliation. Not just, I forget it, I'll compromise my character, but actual payment made by God himself to satisfy all. We have a chance to be different because God's working in us. Stooped down, paid the price and calling us in. A God who loves us a God who reaches out for us. The mystery revealed. Amen? We have to embrace that with all we have. We have a God who kneeled down next to us and paid it all. And all too often, we get used to saying, Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And we can say it so fast that all of a sudden it doesn't mean anything anymore to us. We've let it become soft. Paul's going to address that in the next point, okay? Let's not let it become soft. We have an almighty God 
who cares about my life and yours. And he wants us all united in him to become more like him to the praise of his glory. We have a privilege to be changed. I mean, come on, how many things are we struggling with that we can't get over and we just wish it would be done? God's got the power for it to change right now, right here, today. Today is the moment for that change to start. You know, I was in an art class when I was in college, at Wheaton College. They wanted to keep our understanding broad as we went deeper in areas, right? So in this art class, um, we had to go through all various genres of art that were there, and then at one point she wanted us to really begin to explore the power of the eye. So she took blindfolds and put blindfolds on all of us. The whole class had blindfolds. And then the aides were walking us out into the uh, front area where there were trees and grass. Probably was very dangerous. I don't know if they do it now, but I'm sure many people could have fallen down the steps or whatever. But nonetheless, we're feeling our way along and walking down and coming out. No eyes, okay? And then they walk you over to a tree, and you'd have to just touch the tree with your eyes closed and feel the bark and describe verbally what you're feeling. And then the grass. And you'd hear the birds And your senses start waking up, right? You start using your ears and your smell more than you use them before because your eyes would dominate. And then you would touch things and you would listen to things. And over the course of a half hour, we did that. And then they took the blindfolds off and asked us to go back and evaluate the same places we were. And you would be amazed at the difference that you see in an oak tree when before you had just walked past and you're like, oak, and you walk on, right? Or maybe you'd walk by and go, big tree, no idea what it is, and you walk on, right? (laughs) So you walk up to this tree now and you had felt all the different levels of texturing to it. And so your eye is drawn to the shades of gray and black. And you see that level of texturing with your eye now. And the grass, you can see why that grass there was so much more brittle and harsh. But this over here was so much softer where it was brown and now green. And your eye was able to pull so much more in. What was she doing? She was waking us up to this. When the blindfold is ripped off and you get to see it the way it really is, you'll be amazed at how much the perception of things you had now makes so much more sense to you as all of it comes together. And what Paul is doing here is he's saying, you've been walking through life with the blindfold on. You've been feeling things and trying to figure things out and you thought you were touching a giant oak tree and it really wasn't that kind of tree at all. And now all of a sudden you take a closer look with the blindfold ripped off and you get to see this mystery revealed. Before you thought the solution was so much of what man does. And now you realize it's so much of what God has done. Now you get the picture. And all of a sudden you get to say, with eyes opened wide, God, I'm beginning to see what you're doing. I'm seeing your hand at work. We need to understand the mystery revealed. As the blindfold has been ripped off, as Paul has explained the details of God at work in us, we need to be able to say, God, I've felt it, I've seen it, I've watched it, but I didn't fully understand it. And now as I'm hearing fully what it is, may I open myself up to you with all I've got. Work in me, a powerful work. Change in me like I need to be changed. May I give my life to you. May I be different tomorrow because of you and me today. The mystery revealed. Are you ready to be changed for him? Are you ready for the blindfold to be ripped off and ask for clarity in each situation that you're in, whether it be work or family or friends? It's time 
for the mystery revealed in you to make you different for it. God's power poured out in you. So first he says, understand the mystery revealed. Kind of a review of last week's chapter. Then he says, point two, make God and his wisdom fully known. Make God and his wisdom fully known. Basically, he's going to say this. I'm glad you now get it. Now it's time to get the word out. All right? Now that you understand and he's beginning to work in you, it's time for us to begin to share with others. So he says in verse 7 here, he says, Of this gospel, the good news, that Jesus Christ is changing me from the inside out, of this gospel, I am made a minister. Now, in, there's various words in here for this, for this word in the different versions. I will say this. It sounds like it means some lofty religious term, minister. But what it really means is servant or slave, okay? And so this word, while it, depending on how you look at it, you may get the wrong impression. It means the privilege I have of serving him in the midst of. The NLT does a great job with grasping it here. Serving him according to the gift of God's grace. It says, of this good news, where I am the servant, being able to share it out according to God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. When he knocked me off on my back, when he changed me, when I began to see for the first time, when the blindfold was ripped off and my heart was awakened and all of a sudden I feel God at work in me and I get it and I have to give him my life. Now that, that mystery, that gospel, that's what I'm the servant of and I'm going to start sharing it everywhere I can. That's what's going to happen. He says, verse 8, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles. Let's cover this to the very least of. In some versions, it says less than the least of. Here's what he's basically saying. You know, in time past, I murdered those who believe this truth. In time past, I mocked them. I pushed them. I wanted them out and on the side. But now, I recognize that that very truth was right. And I actually have the privilege of beginning to share that truth with others. God should never use me that way. He should just be punishing me. But what he's doing instead is saying, no way. You've come to me, you get it, and you're here in faith. Your past is gone. Your fresh, new life is here. That's the power of being with God. It doesn't matter where you've been. It just matters where you're going. Amen? It doesn't matter where you've been. All too often, we come down to this. But how good have I, but how much have I followed through with, but what about those things I... You're just bringing up the past, and that's from the pit of hell. God Almighty has provided a replacement payment for you. Embrace that replacement payment as covering your sin. And now it's time to just pick up and start running with him with all you got. It's time to enjoy the life set before you. It's time to say that stuff that was behind me, it's correctly said behind me. I'm moving on. And he's allowing me to have a relationship with him that lasts for all eternity where I can be brought to him and held closely. I am the least of all saints because of the amount of persecution I brought out. And yet God is allowing me to go forward as a minister for him. How much is that true for us, for you? Do you often catch yourself saying, ah, I don't know, I'm not really worthy of. Mm, there's so much that I have to get over still. There's that's not where God's working. That's from the pit of hell. 
His view is, it's time to set that behind. I've paid the price. Let's clean it up and let's start going forward. Let's get it on. Come with me. I've got a message for you to share. Come with me. I've got a relationship for you to talk about. Come with me. I want you to be as passionate about your life as you possibly can be. Forget the past. It's the future we're looking to. Forget the past. Forward-looking, change-oriented, glory-given. Let's go this way. To God be the glory. Amen? That's where we're headed. Life-changing, God-honoring glory. You know, Paul says, I am the least of these. And then he says, that I get to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And I get to do one other thing, bring to light to everyone what is the plan of the mystery. I get to preach unsearchable riches. We talked about this last week. He uses the words like unfathomable, unsearchable. I can't even begin to explain to you how good it is to know Jesus Christ. This is what he's done for me. This is the value in it. God Almighty wants to be with you. Are you wrestling with, what about my job? Are you wrestling with, what about my family? Some of the hurts going on there. What about the finances that we've got going on? Those things are very real, physical events taking place in your life. And they are not to be belittled at all. It's very important to walk through each situation and circumstance, embracing what's going on. But at the same time, don't ever take your eyes off the creator of the universe who speaks things into existence and they change. God at work in us. He has a plan. What's his plan as you're going through what you're going through? What is it that he's calling you to see and to adjust and to work through and to be stretched in? Keep your eyes fixed on him. Keep your hand in his hand. Don't let this become an individual walk. It's about his power at work in you. That's the message you get to share. We don't have a testimony if all we have is four verses memorized. You, God may use it. Don't get me wrong. We might be able to quote it and somebody's just right at the right time and the words get heard and they change. God can use anything he wants. But our testimony is flat. If in the end we get to say, yeah, I really haven't done much about it actually being real to me. I've just quoted four verses to you. That's not the plan, right? The plan is to get up and get real in this relationship with him and be sharing that passion with others. The plan is to be able to say, let me tell you what he's done for me. Here is him at work in my life. Nobody can take your testimony away from you. Get one. Get passionate about a relationship with him that changes you and go after sharing it with others. Go after sharing it with others. Well, how long should I wait with that testimony? Yeah, four seconds. Like as soon as you feel him working, it's time to be sharing. And what, well, I'm not feeling him work right now, so I guess I won't share. <clears throat> Wrong answer, right? It's time to go back and say, God, I need to be able to lay myself out before you. Real walk with you. What needs to be changing? Let's do it today, right here, right now. I want to be just like Paul, being able to say, what I used to do is behind me. This is the privilege I have from now on. Praise be to God. Amen? That's where we got to be headed. That's where we got to be headed. Now he says, the other thing that he gets to do is bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. In other words, he's restating, you know that mystery we just got done talking about? I get to share that with other people. You know that plan where people don't get it and I get to share it and then I get to see this great aha moment where they go, you're kidding me. I get to do that all the time. What a privilege I have of sharing the love of Jesus Christ. 
and him crucified for us. I get to preach. I get to share. Why am I doing it? Here's where it gets to be important. Verse 10. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Through the church, you and me. Through the church, all those that believe. Yes, God is going to work as you come to him. And you have a message to send by the life you live. I have a message to send by the life I live. And it says, this thing is real. This thing that's going on, it matters. Oh, it matters. You know what? It actually demonstrates the manifold wisdom of God. Manifold. You know, many, varied, deep, different, unbelievable variety of wisdom of God. Why does it display that exactly? Imagine, if you will, kind of what I had said before a little bit. We create man. He seems to have a free will and things are going on pretty well and they're getting along well. And then all of a sudden man does his own thing and breaks away. And there is great renting in the heavens and pain over this loss as these beings walk away. And they are off on their own and God Almighty makes himself just like them. And you as an angel, you as a created being in the heavenlies are sitting over here going, what was that about? What are you doing? Why are you doing this? We're told in 1 Peter that they look with amazement as the plan is unfolding. And, and as he becomes one of them and he's raised with them and he's abused and beaten and mocked and murdered by them. And then he raises from the dead. And, and all of a sudden, life and death are all about what he's doing and what he's conquering. And the angels are rallying around and supporting in and screaming, holy, 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 at every moment as they're watching it unfold more and more. And all of a sudden, they begin to see man, not just in lip service reconciled, but in heart change, reconciled to God for all eternity. And the angels in heaven get to watch the rulers and authorities in heavenly places, angels, good, bad, whatever, they're watching and seeing this plan unfold and all they can go is, wow, what a plan God had. You want to talk about wisdom. You want to talk about amazement. He was able to touch and change the heart without compromising his character. And in the midst of being exactly who he is, without any change, they were brought back to him with relationship that'll last forever. Wow, that is amazing, manifold wisdom that God has. Amen? We have to get pumped on that. God gets you deeply, personally, really, and he's working with you to bring you back to him, to his praise and glory, with his wisdom being demonstrated all through it. It is amazing what he's demonstrated in the heavenlies. Verse 11, he says, this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord when he came to earth, died, and rose again. That's what he's referring to there. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. What a great little ending. Paul says, by the way, you may have a great message you can share, but I got news for you. You've also got great privilege. Boldness and access to come right before that same God who created, who spoke, who sustains that God, you can spend a moment with him personally and privately whenever you desire. Well, what about my past? Doesn't matter. Price paid. 
Jesus Christ washed it clean. You are clothed in robes of righteousness. You are a new creation. You are adopted as his child. You have boldness and you have access and you have privilege to talk to him at any moment of any day in any time to the manifold wisdom of God. Praise his name. Amen. What a relationship we can have. If we don't go after that with all we've got, we're missing out. If you know, the nicer car, the bigger garage, the boat that we've got, the newer windows we put in the house, whatever it is, take precedent over that. Wow, have we missed a moment. Wow, have we gotten absorbed into the physical world. Let go a bit, your physical and spiritual. Go hard after that spiritual relationship with our spiritual father. He is waiting to have access and relationship with you. Come to him with all you've got. Come to him. With all you've got. You know, first, we were talking about understanding the mystery of God's will. Second, here, the challenge was to uh, make God and his wisdom fully known. The, uh, just to kind of make it clear, uh, back when I was probably seven years old, we went to the Wisconsin Dells. So that would have been like in the early 70s. So we have photo proof, the, you know, like bell bottoms and like you know, the burnt orange and all that nasty looking clothes and this, you know what I'm talking about? And so my sister and I are in one of those headlock things, you know what I'm talking, where your hands get stuck through and your head gets stuck through and, and you're supposed to look pathetic as if you've been in jail for, you know, days and days. So we're, we're, we've got pictures of us standing there like that, you know. We've got pictures of us in front of those um, big clown pictures, you know, where they've got the goofy bodies and you stick your head through, you know, those kinds of things. You know, when it talks about the church actually being the manifold wisdom being displayed there, it's a lot like standing in front of one of those pictures. And Jesus Christ, the head of the church, he's putting his head into the image, into that cutout where the head would go. And the body is us. And the question is, does it look so ridiculous? Is there such a difference and a discrepancy that it's become humorous? I mean, that's really what we're supposed to laugh about, right? Is the face doesn't even match in size and shape and, you know, and you're dressed in some ridiculous outfit and it's supposed to be humorous because it doesn't match. Do we match or are we a joke? Our challenge when we stand before God Almighty is to say, are we as a body, an earthly representation of the divine head, such a beautiful match that when people look, they don't laugh. Instead, they go, God must be really wise. Look at the change going on. Look at the amazement of who he is. Does our similarity to the divine head blow people away and draw their attention to him? That's what Paul's saying. We need to make his wisdom fully known. When we go out of this church on a daily or a weekly basis, our plan needs to be not to say, well, we'll be in church next week. That's a bad statement. This is a family. This is a group of friends. This is a group of brothers and sisters in Christ that are doing life day in and day out together. And the question is, are we modeling the love of Jesus Christ in this body? Are we making it understood and known who he is as we treat the person next to us with such dignity and respect and compassion? As we share the truth with someone that they may need to hear even though they didn't want to hear it. But we share it gently, Galatians 6.1, never share the truth, just bashing, but gently and compassionately calling them 
to change because we love them? Are we a family that looks like a family? How are you doing? What's the name list you've got that you're reaching out to to make this place a tight, connected family? You know, you saw the, the uh, artwork of that video. I mean, Larry is a very gifted guy. And, uh, you know, I love working next to Larry. And uh, he pulled that video together in the past year here. And uh, Larry and Aaron and I were sitting there watching it and just discussing it going out this week. And uh, so Aaron says, doesn't it just make you hate those little blue dots at the beginning? Right? I mean, you see them all ignoring the guy and walking away. And I mean, truly, in the end, it gets you kind of motivated. And it's just some dots on a paper. But you're like, what are they doing? Come on. And then when they finally rally around, you're like brought to tears, you know? They finally got it. That's who we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be rallying around those that are new to the body and taking care. May we get the picture that we are to display the character of God himself in how we care for one another. If you're a blue dot here, start looking to who you can rally around. And please do it well. We're called to be in unity and love and compassion. And if you're the gray dot, you're just coming in and you're kicking the tires on this place and you're looking for a place to belong, as we said last week, and we'll say it again, welcome to the family. May we rally around you with all we have. Come to us, let us know where you are, and let us get this thing going called family together. We better be displaying the very family and nature of God or we're missing the boat as a church. We need to look like the body, earthly, that matches the divine head. What can you do to help that happen? You know, his last point, he says, not only should you understand it, not only should you be going after it in the church to demonstrate it, but don't lose heart. Even suffering has a purpose. Even suffering has a purpose. You know, all too often we get all into the statements of power and the statements of change and the statements of value, and then we go to our next day and we're still hurting. What's God doing? Why am I hurting if this whole thing is true? And the answer is because God uses suffering. The answer is because God does have tools in his quiver, and one of them is pain. There are times where he brings us through some tough stuff to grow us. Paul says in verse 13 here, So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you. In this example, Paul in prison for Gentiles, he's suffering for the Gentiles. And he's saying, don't you lose heart on this one. Don't you take your eyes off of him. There's a plan, and it's a big one. He says right at the end, which is your glory. You are being changed and transformed and lifted up as God is using me as an example and working in me. And I am fine with what's going on. Don't lose heart. When you're going through the tough moments, when you're struggling, whether it be physical pain or emotional pain, the financial hurts, when you're going through that thing, which would make you take your eyes off the horizon in Jesus Christ himself and look down and begin to discuss the problem and look at it from all angles, you've begun to lose the battle. It's time to take your eyes off the problem and fix your eyes on the problem solver. What's he going to do? We'll see as we move through it together as a family. For some, there will be immediate healing or healing very soon after. For some, there will be a calling to suffer for a little longer than that or maybe even 
for the 70 or 80 years that are left in life for them. I'm not sure what God's plan is. Far be it from us to say we get God. We don't necessarily understand the depths and the breadths of who he is, but I will tell you this. There are moments where he calls us to hurt and he wants us to look through the, the wavering vision that we have of tears in our eyes and see him whole against the sky and go after him with all we've got. Allow him to shape your life. Through pain, he is shaping and healing. And when we hurt, we can either say, ouch, I don't like that feeling. Or we can say, I'm not sure what God's doing, but praise God, change is coming. I'll tell you that much. And I can make sure of that. I'm letting go of what I got and I'm going hard after whatever he wants adjusted. And he'll remove the pain when he wants to remove the pain. That's his issue. But my focus is not the pain going away. My focus is the growth that he wants for me in the midst of it. Where do you want me to be tomorrow, God? Where do you want me next year? How do you want me to look in five years? If you take this pain, great. And if you don't, fine. I am good with it because I am with my Savior. Amen? It's hard to say amen to that one. Oh, uh, yeah, amen. Right? We do one of those. Can I give the head nod? Sure, yeah, okay, I'm good with that. Really think about it. Am I going to be okay when I'm going through a hard moment? We're really going to have to toughen it up because we're going to go through them. God uses the pain to grow us. He does. He shepherds us. He leads us. And he shapes us. And sometimes suffering is a part of that. Why is the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel such a mess? Why is that a joke? Because it says that God will take all pain away from you if you just say these words or you just do this thing. That's not how God works. He loves us enough to shape us to be like him. Romans chapter 8 tells us basically whatever you go through, he is going to use it to good. Don't get me wrong. It doesn't say he's bringing it all in. There's times where we're responsible for some of the pain coming on. But he will shape it and use it to change us. God Almighty at work in our lives. Suffering does have a purpose. And if we don't get that, we're not going to understand the trip. Do you see what I'm saying? If we start this trip with Jesus Christ and we don't get the mystery revealed, we don't get it. Okay, we get the mystery. I get it. You at work in our lives. Next, you better get this mystery. It's time for you to show his wisdom by demonstrating the change in your life. I have a job here to share Christ crucified through my word, through my action, through how I care for those around me. And lastly, I better expect a little hurt to come along the way because he's going to shape me as we go. That's Paul's description of life in him. Living life in the know. Now you just got the top three. Are you ready to live life in the know? Are you ready to make an impact for him? You know, I've told you about my dad and some stuff going on there with the prostate cancer. He's, he was diagnosed with prostate cancer and it didn't look as good as what they had initially thought. They, they thought the prostate actually was doing okay. And when they took the prostate out a week ago, a week and a half ago, uh, it turned out there was 50% cancer in it. And they said, you know, it looks like we might have to go to some pretty heavy other solutions. And uh, they went and did some further testing and checking. It was a hard week for us as we heard that and we were praying through things. And I'm telling you, I'm talking to my dad. And I'm like, so what do you think, dad? Are you okay? And he's like, you know, I guess I'm just going to glow for a while. Time for some radiation treatment. Like I, the guy was more upbeat. Like we're all sad and there's tears in our houses. We're praying for him. And he's like, whatever, I'm going to glow a little bit. Let's go. He had a good view of what it might be and what he might be going through. And you know, this week he, he hit the doctor's office and they said, hey, we want to let you know the 50% cancer in your prostate was all contained in one tumor 
and that tumor had not yet exploded or broken, it looks like it's 100% resolved. We're going to still do some tests over time, but we're not doing any radiation treatment or anything. Looks like you're good to go. Clean bill of health. Got it work. Let me tell you this. There was some serious hurt and suffering along the way. The surgery that he went through, the healing afterwards from all the stitches and all the pain. My dad suffers better than most, I got to tell you. He suffers better than I suffer. But what he did as he suffered through that showed great strength and guts and courage. And at the end of it, God is at least at this moment given the clean bill of health for the next step, you know? Praise be to God. We've got to see that in the moment we're called to suffer, we're really just called to change. What is it God's working on? That's where we need to head. If we grasp that, we get our eyes off ourselves, and we begin to care for others and share with others and take care of others instead of talking about our pain and our problems every moment of every day. To God be the glory. May we display his manifold wisdom. May at the end of our day, people look, look and go, wow, that God you serve, he's got his act together. I'm seeing serious change in your life and I'm amazed at what he's doing. May people look at you and say, wow, your God is changing things in you and others to the praise of his glory. I'm amazed with who he is. God Almighty at work in our lives. That is the message Paul had for us today, living life in the know. Let's pray.